Good to have you. On this Tuesday, we're now past Labor Day. Still hot out, but uh, I guess midweek it's going to feel more like fall and then get back into the better temperatures come the weekend. But uh, I'm not a fan. I want uh, summer to hang on for at least another month or two, but uh, I know it's probably not going to. But we are now into football, which means pigskins are going to be flying and leaves are going to be falling and all that kind of stuff. And to talk about the possibility of a new owner in Chicago. Rob Reichel joining us on the hotline from Conley Media and also uh, Forbes.com. Numerous Packers books as well, at Rob Reichel over on Twitter. Rob, how are you doing today, pal? Well, Lord, football's back, right, Billy? So I, I, I am outstanding and uh, just very psyched for, for the week coming up and what should be a really fun season for everybody in Green Bay. So let's start first and foremost with the article that you you posted, and that is the fact that You've got the possibility of a new owner in uh, in Chicago because I, I think the gauntlet was laid down by Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, obviously held it proudly. But who has more pressure on them regarding all of this going into this? It's one game, but I think there's a lot of pressure in this game uh, this upcoming Sunday, right? Yeah. Do you mean who has more pressure between them, between Green Bay and Chicago, Billy? Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It, it, it's probably a horse apiece. Maybe Chicago, Bill, from the perspective that, you know, they did only win three games last year. They went hog wild in free agency and, and tried to upgrade that roster uh, top to bottom, traded away the first pick in the draft. I certainly got some draft capital back and, um, you know, picked up DJ Moore in that trade as well and, and, and seemed to have upgraded their roster dramatically, Bill. So I think, you know, I think expectations are really high in Chicago at, you know, at, at least getting to around a 500 team if, if you're the Bears after that 3-14 and 14 season a year ago. Where in Green Bay, I, I think fans are going to be a little more patient. Um, it, it's going to be a wait-and-see type deal. I, I think most people understand Green Bay is in the process right now of building for, you know, maybe 2024, 2025 becoming, uh, you know, a, a, a legitimate threat in the conference uh, maybe by that point in time. And, and that this is largely a transitional year. Um, but at the same point in time, expectations are always high in Green Bay, Bill, and, and that'll be the case again this season. Um, but but to, to say who has a little bit more pressure on, on Sunday, I, Billy, I'd, I'd probably say the Bears slightly. Rodgers went 25-5 and five, uh, against Chicago. I mean, that's a long time of dominance. And, and I, you know, you listen to Bears fans talk, and there's this whisper of George, Justin Fields could be an MVP. And I, I know that uh, somebody said this morning it was talked about over on uh, Good Morning Football on the NFL Network and such. But, man, Justin Fields, that's, a, first of all, a, a huge hill to climb. Secondly, I think Bears fans are looking at this as, we finally, the, the cloud is lifted. Maybe we just have an opportunity here to finally get back into this series and be somebody. That's why I look at the Bears and say, I, the Bears might have a lot more pressure on them because you don't ne- normally expect a guy his first real start under center taking over a franchise on the road to be victorious. You know what I mean? No, I totally do. And if Green Bay goes down there and wins the football game at a 7 o'clock Sunday night, they're coming home and, and, and Jordan Love's thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns, and we're talking about him as the new owner, uh, and he's taken ownership rights from Aaron Rodgers of the, of the Bears franchise. It's, it's going to be incredible, Bill, uh, that, that particular storyline. I mean, no, Chicago has had 
absolutely nothing to hang its hat on in this series and this rivalry for more than three decades. I mean, they had absolutely dominated the rivalry. They they held an 80 to 58 edge in the series in, when Brett Favre arrived in '92. Uh, Favre got it rolling. He was 22 and 10 against them. Billy Rogers took it up a notch. He went 25 and five. I mean, think about that. 25 mm-hmm. and five. That's an 833 right. winning percentage. He he beat them in the NFC title game in 2010. He steals the division from them in 2013. I mean, one of those losses, Bill, that he had along the way. You know, he broke his collarbone, or he's probably 26 and four against Chicago. I mean, the, the Packers have absolutely run roughshod over Chicago, and 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 down there. Um, you know, in, in, in the Windy City, they, they, they think it's time. And, you know, one of the things I addressed in the column today, Bill, I talked to a lot of guys last week, and, you know, Rasul Douglas was, no surprise, was certainly the most vocal. And he just said, all we're doing now is passing the torch. It, it went from Brett to Aaron. Now the torch is going from Aaron to Jordan. And, and we expect to just keep doing what's happened here the last 30 years. And, I, and I'll tell you what, Bill, if they can pull it off on Sunday and get this season rolling, uh, with, with, with a win down in Chicago against against their oldest rival, uh, you know, these, these Packers might turn out to be a surprise team. Well, that's the other thing. is you you got a lot of belief in Jordan Love, don't you? 100%. I, I think he's the guy. I think he's the right guy. Um, I, I, I think everything, you know, Bill, it's such a lost art in this game because nobody has any patience. Um and, and I'm certainly critical of a lot of things a lot of things the Packers do, but the way they have brought along their last couple of quarterbacks to give them time in in a league that is unbelievably tough on 21 and 22 year old kids because it's it's a league of, of Billy it's a, it's a league of grown freaking men right and and mm-hmm. 27 28 29 is a big difference from being a 21 22 year old kid getting thrown into the fire like so many franchises do. And you'll see it this year in Carolina with the first pick in the draft, you know, in Bryce Young and in Houston with the second pick in, in C.J. Stroud. I mean, teams just throw these young quarterbacks in there and and, and, and have them kind of learn on the fly. And, hey, you know, some of the time that it works, Bill, and half the time it blows up. And Green Bay has taken their time, you know, with, with first uh, Aaron Rodgers and now Jordan Love. And, and, again, what's become really a, you know, just, just a really unique way to – to grow and, and groom and develop quarterbacks. And, and I, I, I think I think Love has done everything the right way uh, coming up, Bill. He, he, he's been patient. He's worked his tail off. He's, he's studied hard. He's made really strong ties and relationships in, the, in that locker room. He's dramatically improved from, from when he first showed up, and a lot of that is a credit to him, but also, you know, Green Bay's coaching staff from Matt LaFleur to Tom Clemens, so kind of all the way down. Um, and, and, no, Bill, I, I think he's ready for this for this chance and um you know i i i think he's going to be the guy the next four or five years for sure i mean he, he, he's he's in a contract here himself bill and i think by about midway through the season uh most people are going to realize yep that it, it, it would be very smart for green bay to try to lock him up for the next four or five years tell me what kind of pressure there is on because people talk about hot seats at the beginning of the season we all think that Joe Barry's certainly squarely sitting on a hot seat but tell me about your thoughts when it comes to Matt LaFleur because Matt LaFleur I think I'm looking for a different style of offense I'm looking for more movement motion thought process put it much like he did in the preseason where he rolls him out cuts down half the field gives him some confidence and then begins to progress with the downfield stuff and to see if it actually begins to connect but I think what Matt LaFleur did in the in the preseason was, was perfect. Now I want to see an expanse of that 
And I also think that, that that creativity that was there early on in the scripted plays of ball games that seemingly went away as the game went on, I think I want to see more from the coaching side of things rather than the, uh, you know, the kind of the play side of things uh, of Jordan Love. I think there's some things there for Matt LaFleur to expound upon too, don't you? Or do you? No, no, I, I, no, I absolutely do. And I, and I think Love's going to add a, an added dimension and a weapon just, just with his legs that Aaron Rodgers couldn't. Uh, by the end of his career, Aaron Rodgers early on in his career could hurt you with his legs. By the end, that that wasn't the case. I think he had about 90 rushing yards last year, and you know they they're they're not going to you know call a lot of Jordan Jordan Love run plays. Don't get me wrong, but when plays break down in the pocket, Jordan Love's going to have and and you saw that in the third preseason game, Billy, when when Seattle came to town, Love had I don't know 25 30 rushing yards in the first quarter, and and it, as things broke down around him, and he was able to beat people and beat the Seahawks that day. You know, with his legs, and you you will see that through the course of this year. Specifically to Matt Lafleur, I, I I think there's, I, I think there's got to be a high excitement level on on his end, Bill. That um, you know, just just from the standpoint, and the Packers have poo pooed this a little bit, the Matt Lafleur offense and that whole concept. Um, you know, and, and saying, oh, it's, it's been Matt Lafleur's offense all along. Well, that, that's not entirely true because Aaron Rodgers definitely put a stamp on that offense. Aaron Rodgers had freedom and flexibility at the line of scrimmage to check out and change a lot of various plays and turn it into the Aaron Rodgers offense a little bit in terms of how Aaron wanted it to look. This will be, you know, this will be a hundred percent Matt LaFleur's offense. It will be pure and entirely Matt's deal. Um, And, and we're going to exact, you know, the the play Matt LaFleur calls bill is the play that's probably going to be run at the line of scrimmage 98% of the time where none of us know exactly the numbers on Aaron, but I, I think it's fair to say he was, you know, changing a minimum of 10 to 15 plays a game. Um, and, and, and that certainly affected how, you know, the Matt LaFleur offense was, was officially run. Um, is Matt LaFleur on any kind of hot seat though? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, he's, he's 47 and 19. I want to say in, in his time in green Bay, you know, he's over 700 in his winning percentage. The postseason record isn't great. We all get that. He was two and he's two and three, up until this point in time, they they laid a couple of eggs in in the, in the two NFC championships game championship games that that he was in when he had chances to take you know teams to the Super Bowl. But uh, no, Bill, when you win seventy percent of your games in this league, you're doing something right. I, I you know I I don't think it's going to be a train wreck year by any stretch of the imagination. I I think this team's going to you know find a way to win eight, nine, ten games for sure. If the bottom absolutely falls out, Bill, if somehow they were you know three and fourteen and in, in contention for, for the first pick in the draft. Maybe that storyline changes that Matt comes into 2024 on some kind of a hot seat. But, but I don't envision that happening. I think this is a transitional year where a lot of these young guys, obviously, are going to play a, a, a ton of snaps. They're going to improve dramatically. They're going to get better. And I think Green Bay's best days are coming in a year or two. Real quick, uh, Rob, I, I wanted to ask you a couple of more questions before we cut out on you. But defensively speaking, uh, what, it, what is it the safety position that concerns you, that secondary right now, or do you think that the Packers are pretty solid and you're just kind of waiting for them to take the next step? Well, I think they're solid in a lot of spots, Bill. But if, if this was a normal year in Green Bay, if this was a typical offseason where Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback, I can guarantee you they wouldn't be lining up on Sunday with probably Darnell Savage or Rudy Ford starting at safety and Jonathan Owens maybe as the number one backup. It, that that position would have been fixed and upgraded uh, in the offseason. Again, it, 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 it's not a throwaway, it's not a mulligan kind of a year in Green Bay. It'll, I think it's 
more of a transitional year, but you know they're they've got sixty million dollars roughly of dead cap money sitting out there that that they want to get off the books, so they're not going to go over overspend at at various positions. They're trying to get their books in line. They're you know they're 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 going to make you know they're they're going to get all the Rogers money and some of these other guys that are, that are hanging on there off the books, and then they'll, they'll chase some free agents next offseason. This just wasn't the offseason to do it. I, you know, I, I think the defense certainly in that front bill is, is relatively deep. I think two of the surprises of the summer that maybe didn't get as much play were Carl Brooks and Colby Wooden, the two rookie defensive linemen. I, I, I think they're going to make an impact and, and play a reasonable, a reasonable amount of snaps. I think the run defense should be better Clark bouncing out uh, and playing defensive end now instead of on the nose. T.J. Slayton had a really good summer, Bill, and I think he's ready to take a jump at the nose. Um, they've, they've got a bevy of pass rushers from, from Rashawn Gary to Preston Smith to, you know, Justin Hollins and Kingsley Enigbari and Lucas Van Ness. I mean, they're, they're deep as heck there, Bill. Quay Walker should take a second-year jump. Their, their corners are prob- they probably rival any trio in, in football once, once Stokes comes back if – if he hasn't lost a step from that Liz Frank surgery. So I think the defense top to bottom bill is, is relatively solid. Uh, but, but all it takes is one weak spot and Justin right. Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and some of these guys that, that they're going to play against. They're going to take full advantage of Rudy Ford. They're going to take full advantage of Darnell Savage until proven otherwise. So that safety position is a real concern bill. Yeah, I, I think the safety position, and then I think they're really relying upon Quay Walker taking that next step and the guys that they have up front. I am excited, though. I will say, Devontae Wyatt, to me, showed a lot of flashes at the end of the season last year, so I'm excited to see him get more into the rotation. Uh, obviously, you're hoping that T.J. Slayton gives you more than what we've seen in, in the past couple of seasons. Kenny Clark is staunch. But then you got to look at a guy like Colby Wooden and say, can he be that fourth guy in that big man rotation? I go back to Dom Capers telling me years and years and years, if you got four big bodies that you can continually rotate that are effective, it makes your outside pass rush and your linebackers that much better. So I'm kind of hoping that it all starts up front with those four guys. Thoughts on that? Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And 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 then and then Bill, they you know they I, I don't remember them being this deep at outside linebacker either. You know where where uh, Justin Hollins might be your number five when it's all said and done. And he was an incredibly effective player for them last year when they picked him up off off the street. But no, uh, you know Colby wouldn't. And, and and I thought he was a draft day steal in, in round four right from the get go. Um, you know, a, a multi-year starter at Auburn who tore up the SEC, and 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 he he has all the physical characteristics and the smarts that you want at that particular position. You're you're right. If if, if he's number four in, in that mix, and um, you know he uh, he has the kind of season bill that that he flashed in the summer that that he could have, and and Brooks is the exact same way. You know, Brooks tore up the map. And and was a dominant player there, Bill. And a lot of people chalked that up to a you know the the, the quality of competition that he saw. Um, and and, I, and I'll tell you what, he he didn't take a step back. He didn't miss a beat when he got to Green Bay over the summer. So they're they're deeper there, and they're probably more talented than they they've been in a long long time. You hit the key guy though. The key guy to me is when it's all said and done is Devontae Wyatt, who for 13, 14 weeks last year did absolutely nothing as a first round draft pick. And, and then he flashed the last month, which made him confident enough to let uh, Dean Lowry and Darren Reed walk in free agency. Wyatt's got to take that next step right now, though, too, Bill. He's obviously 
got all the physical skills and tools in the world. Remember, though, he was an eighth on the Wonderlic test. That, 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 that's a ridiculously low and terrible number. Um, and, and, and you do wonder, can he get the game mentally to, 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 to be a major difference maker up front? Green Bay needs him to be, Bill. They're, they're asking him to do it. They're asking a lot from him. I think he's the key to the whole front. Real quick before I let you go, the special teams, concern or no concern? Um, I, I think they continue to take steps, Bill. I, uh, I, I think, again, Gutekunst has kept five, six guys on the roster that might not have stuck around in, in past years um, in, 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 and earned a roster spot. But, the, but they, they kept them this year strictly because of special teams. And, and you know, that's just the way Rich Passaccia wants it. Rich Passaccia has a lot of power and control right now inside that organization. Um, you know, the, the biggest concern to me, Bill, obviously, would be Anders Carlson. You know, he made about 70% of his kicks this summer. He made about 70% of his kicks as a college player. Still, if he keeps doing that, I mean, if we're into week six or week eight and Anders Carlson is, you know, 13 of 20 or something like that, uh, people are going to be screaming for his head. Uh, Green Bay is going to be patient with him because he's got that enormous leg. But uh, it wouldn't shock me at some point in time, especially early in the year, Bill, when, when the pressure is the highest. Because Green Bay is going to be in a lot of one-score games, Bill, a lot of close games. Uh, they, they don't have the talent disparity that they've had from, from other organizations in past seasons. That, that, this game, that, that a lot of football games might come down to Carlson's leg. And, and, and if he drops the ball on those, Bill, um, you know, it, 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 it's going to be it's going to be a bad look for everybody. And, it, you know, and, and for a young team, Bill, with a first time starter, a quarterback, I mean, I, I can't stress to you enough, you know, how how critical it is, the whole process of learning how to win. And, and, if, and if Carlson's the difference, positive or negative in those games, it's a little bit scary of a scary of a proposition because you knew what you had in Mason Crosby. You have no idea right now what you have in Anders Carlson when it comes to crunch time and, and clutch time kicking. So I think the special teams overall, Bill, will probably be improved, but Carlson undoubtedly remains the number one question. Great stuff as always, my friend. Appreciate it, and we'll chat again a lot throughout the season, I'm sure. Okay, Rob? I certainly hope so. All right, Bill. You have a great week. Thanks. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. That is uh, Rob Reichel joining us. By the way, if you want to read that article that he wrote today, Regarding uh, it's time for new ownership in uh, Chicago, uh, you can find it at Forbes.com. I also have it, uh, the link to it posted over on uh, the Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. Facebook.com slash The Bill Michaels Show. And it's posted over there as well. Good stuff from Rob Reichel. Certainly appreciate it. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at the Water Doctors. John Atley and his staff. Absolutely knocked it out of the park for us this past weekend on a really hot day. One thing that everybody wanted when they finally got the steel tank brewing for the after party, that was some water. (laughs) And steel tank had the reverse osmosis trailer there. So people just go out like beer, just tap the water yourself, tap it, fill up your glass and uh, keep on going. And it was, it was awesome. And they a big supporter and co-stage co-sponsor this year as well. And they really kind of stepped up their uh, sponsorship of the ride and support of veterans. So thanks so much to our friends at the Water Doctors. If you are looking for a water softening system and a great company to work with, you do not go wrong by working with John Atley and his staff over at the Water Doctors. Just go to h2thelettero.doctors.com, h2odoctors.com. Get a hold of them. And even if they're not in your area, they will put you in touch with a Connecticut dealer near you the best water softening system out there. And don't forget, they do a lot with our friends, our friends from the veterans groups, military members, and their families. Thanks to the water doctors.
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. A reminder we are going to be live, uh, the uh, Greenville Post Game Show, live from Chicago this coming Sunday. Live from Chicago, Packers Bears, the Greenville Post Game Show. Myself, Mike Clemens, going to be inside of the locker room. It is going to be live starting this Sunday. We will be down at the Shy Bar in Chicago after the uh, game. And if you want to come by and join us, please do. If you're hanging out down in Chicago, it is a uh, just after 3 o'clock start central time. And uh, we should, uh, I think we're going on the air at 6 o'clock central time. 6 o'clock Central Time, 7 o'clock Eastern. As uh, we'll do uh, 6 to 8, we'll be live in the Shy Bar down in Chicago getting, uh, you know, all of your reaction after the Packers-Bears first game of the 2023-2024 season. But, again, we're going to be inside the Sheridan Grand Riverwalk and the Shy Bar coming up this Sunday. I can't wait. Can't wait. Looking forward to it so much. Uh, 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Our buddy Steve over in Richfield says, first of all, congratulations on the ride. Sounds as uh, though it was a good time had by all. It was not only a good time had by all, it was a record-breaking time had by all. The most money we've ever raised, well over $22,000 for uh, our friends at the Fisher House, our military members, veterans, and their families. And it's just... It grows every year. And we, did we reach the goal of the uh, the record bikes of 1,085? We did not. Uh, I'm sad to say. It was 1,000-ish, uh, uh, but we weren't over that. Uh, but we also dealt with really high heat, so it kept some people away, and I understand that. But the fact that we kind of honed our, our skills a little bit better down at the uh, Harley-Davidson Museum and worked with them and were able to get bikes in and get everyone registered that was actually on the ride and the way it worked this year plus some of the donations it we went well over our amount of money and it was 23 24 up close to 25,000 I I don't know the final total of all of that but we we know we busted last year's record of money so thanks to everybody for participating uh looking at the Packers Bears games he said I think that the pressure is more on Justin Fields than Jordan Love the Bears fans have extremely lofty hopes this season and expectations and I think that uh, number 12 being gone, uh, that they will have uh, the cakewalk over the Packers. Uh, although Love has a lot of pressure on him as well, the bottom line is the Packers are a better overall team. They have better offensive and defensive lines, and in my opinion, uh, this is where the game will be won or lost. If the Packers can hold the Bears' run game in check, they should be able to get pressure on fields. Would Joe Barry consider assigning a spy to fields? Perhaps Quay Walker, who has the speed to keep up with him. Uh, the Packers will be more relaxed and will win a tight one, 23-20, safe travels over the next few days. That's our buddy Steve in Richfield. Steve, thank you, sir, and appreciate it. Good, good stuff. Um, and and to, to spy Justin Fields, I don't know if you start out doing that, but I certainly would say that would be something that I would consider if indeed Justin Fields begins to hurt you say okay look this is something we discussed uh we're going to start doing this and we'll see you know we'll see if it uh, becomes effective but i i don't think i'd start out spying him 
uh, I'd make him work for it. And as soon as he begins to earn it, then you say, okay, now we got to put a spy on him. Uh, this is from Tom. Tom says, uh, a lot of pressure to me. It's on the Bears. Uh, for three and a half year for uh, year three versus the Bears versus year one versus Jordan Love, the pressure is on the Bears and the Packers organization. The pressure is on the floor. T Dub in Tulsa. T Dub, you to me, you to me. Good stuff. Uh, Jimmy says, uh, "Hey guys, uh, let's not forget the line on this game. Uh, you've got a, pe- a lot of people in Vegas uh, picking the Green Bay Packers. Uh, the odds may be of interest, but I think the Packers can get the win." Uh, I have not looked. What, have the odds changed at all? Grant, are you a, a betting man where you keep up with the odds on the continuum? Because I have not, admittedly. I am uh, the, uh, the opposite of a betting man. I spend enough dumb money on other things. I If I start <laughs> losing money on sports betting, I'm not going to have anything left. So that's that's my uh, obstacle. Uh, uh, yeah, I have not, um, I have not even looked uh, at the, uh, the the odds on this. Um our guys at the Action Network, I haven't even gone over to that. I know we do. Uh, we got our public betting stuff coming up here over the weekend. But uh, what are some of the odds here you got? Uh, well, Chiefs, six-and-a-half-point favorites. I'm uh, kind of going down. Let's see here. The afternoon game, Packers. Oh, Bears are a one-point favorite. Yeah, you're right. He's right. The odds makers are saying the Packers are the favorite. Usually when the Bears, when, when the home team is favored by a point, it's really because if it was on a neutral field that the team with only a point – uh, like the team getting the point would probably be the better team. Uh, it started at two and a half. The best odds are at uh, one. Uh, Packers bear Packers two and a half point underdogs starting into this thing. Uh, depends on where you go. FanDuel has them at one and a half. Caesars has them at one. BetMGM has them at one. PointsBet has them at one. Uh, the opening line was two and a half, and it kind of goes on from there. What else do we have? Who else is uh, Bet365 has, uh, let's see here, Bet365 has them at one as well. So pretty much one across the board, one to one and a half, depending on who you're looking at. So there you go. FanDuel has them at uh, one and a half. Where everybody else, Bet Rivers, Bet Rivers, Bet365, um, DraftKings, everybody at a point, point, point spread in this game. There you go. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away. This time when we come back, we're going to talk a little Brewers baseball. And uh, we're going to bring on our buddy Chuck Freeman from Locked On Brewers Podcast. We're going to get his perspective over the weekend. Brewers have lost two straight. And all of a sudden, this thing's a two-and-a-half uh, game lead. And it's starting to <clears throat> tighten a little bit. I know, I'm not even using the word choke. Not using it. It will be a colossal failure. With the lead they had and the opportunity they had, if for whatever reason the Brewers don't make it to the postseason. But uh, I'm not going there. I'm not going. Right now, I'm staying on the positive side of things. But we we do have to address it at least a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Stay tuned. We're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We're going to come back. A lot more of the Bill Michael Show on the docket. Our buddy Chuck Freeman right around the corner of this portion of the program. Brought to you buddy, uh, by our buddy Mikey Whitcomb over there at Exit Realty. Exit, X-E-X-I-T, Exit Realty. Uh, and Mikey is a terrific guy, whether it's in Ozaki, Milwaukee, Waukesha County, Jefferson County. Uh, Mikey can get you handled uh, 414-243-1976, 414-243-1976. He's the guy that put me in my home, went through a lot to get me there, but ultimately got me there and did the best job out of everybody. Get a hold of Mikey, 414-243-1976. 
This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. They did on Sunday. Uh, that is our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Man, they dealt the cards as fast as they could possibly deal them and dealt uh, over 500, 600 hands. No more than that, actually. It was like 900 and something hands of poker uh, over the weekend to get everybody through the line and uh, did a fantastic job. And they, it was great. Uh, my buddy Billy Schultz, uh, who's been with us a long, long time, he was one of the better uh, card uh, hand holders at the end of the day. Billy won uh, the autographed picture from Tim Duffy, uh, the firefighter, the New York City firefighter, who uh, went into uh, the uh, towers during 9-11, that iconic picture. He won that, and then there was four or five more prizes given out, beer for a year and such, and golf bags and all that kind of stuff. It was it was really cool, but uh, thanks to our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino for being a part of it. Now, I heard they had an epic weekend up in Crandon where, uh, where Kiss just kicked it off and just dominated over the weekend as well. So uh, good stuff from our friends at Pottawatomie Hotel Casino. Bring him in now from the Locked on Brewers podcast. It's our guy, Chuck Freeman, and uh, at Chuck Freeman over on uh, on Twitter as well. Chuck, how you been, pal? Bill, I didn't realize that two members of KISS aren't there, Peter, Chris, and uh, the other guy, Ace Freely. You know, they're not, they've been touring with KISS all these years. All this, all this time, I thought KISS was still together, all four of those guys, Paul Stanley and Chief <laughs> right? Simmons. I didn't, I didn't realize it's like, been like 25 years that both of those other two guys haven't been with the group. Right? Yeah, and it's been the farewell tour of Kiss, uh, you know, for a long time. So they're they're doing the farewell tour yet again, but they're they're still together and doing it, I guess, right? I was reading a quote from, you know, Gene Simmons was talking to the media up in Crandon. They had a little media get-together, and he says, well, yeah, this is it. At some point, you just got to say, you know, move over and let the next guy take over. You know, he's 74 years old, and he's still, you know, cranking it out on stage. Good for him. And still dressing like that. <laughs> still dressing you know? like that. It's still it's still counting the cash bill. That's the that's yeah. the deal. You know, yeah. The can't you know the he's still stepping up to the pay window. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah, you still wonder what they're getting. You know what I mean? Because so we just talked about Jimmy Buffett passing away and he was worth over a billion dollars. You know, and, and Kiss, they've been doing it for a long time and they're still doing it and still getting gates and draws and you kinda wonder what they're worth at this point in time, you know? Well, when when the news came down with Jimmy Buffett, Bill, I thought of you. And I don't know if you told your listeners the Jimmy Buffett story, you know, where he wouldn't take the picture with the fans. Yes. He, yeah, he's, he was a different cat. I mean, I, you hate to ruin the, the, the outward appearance because it was really weird. Because and going back to what Chuck said, we had on my first motorcycle ride. We had a motorcycle. Uh, parts were donated to us. And we started sending the parts out all over the country. And all these prominent people autographed this bike. And uh, Jimmy Buffett, I asked to be one of them, and they agreed to let uh, us backstage. But Jimmy was, he didn't want to talk to us. We weren't allowed to look at him. So we had to set the tank on a table at the end of a hallway, walk to the other end of the hallway. And I said, well, I needed a picture to verify that he's signing this tank. And (laughs) so I put the the camera up over my head, pointing it backwards. And they said, okay, now. And I snapped the picture. By the time I turned around, Jimmy was gone. And there he is holding the tank for that split second. (laughs) 
You know, but he signed it, boom, and he's out the door. And he, it, it was the weirdest damn thing, but he didn't want to see anybody, didn't want to talk to anybody, none of that, you know, weird. Didn't he, didn't he make you wait like eight hours to take that picture, too? I mean, this, then his publicist keep telling you, oh, but he's, he'll be out here in a little bit. And they just kept on, yeah. kept making you wait. Yep, we waited for almost uh, four hours backstage uh, while we were oh, trying to get that thing signed. I tell that, you know, anytime I run across a Jimmy Buffett fan, I tell that story to people. And then, you know, because they're like, oh, you know, Jim Finn's Jimmy Buffett. You know, what a great guy. Oh, well, you know. Right. You know, some right. of the people, you know, you know as well as I do, Bill, some of the people, and we don't have to name any names, but some of the people who we think, people think are everybody, are, are, are an everyman. You know, a guy right. who's, you know, a good guy on radio or TV or whatever. Not necessarily the case off the air. Nope. Nope. You and I know more than a few people that we, there's a whole persona that's out there, and it's a great big horse crap persona because we both know better. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Hey, nope. uh, tell me about this Brewers team because I said they had a golden opportunity to knock the Cubs out of this thing, and they uh, allowed them to creep back into it. Now they're sitting two and a half games back. They have a two game losing streak. They can't get runs for Corbin Burns. Uh, thoughts going into uh, tonight's contest? Yeah, that's right. A week ago, you and I were talking about, uh, you know, possibly if they won that night, that, you know, that the, the division title was going to be theirs. But, you know, like I said, you know, September baseball, you know, who really knows? This thing is just going to go right down. I don't think it's going to go to those last three games against the Cubs at AmFam Field uh, to finish off the season. But I think the Cubs are going to hang in there and make things interesting. I still think the Brewers are going to win the division. But like a game like last night, um, Bill, if you look at this series against the Pirates, the, the Brewers have their three best pitchers stacked up. They got Corbin Burns, they got Woodruff tonight, and then they got Freddie Peralta on Wednesday. So you got to take two or three. And last night was a game where, you know, yeah, Burns gave up a couple of blasts, but still, you got to come back and help him out and and win this game. You know, you got to score more than two runs. They were they were counting on Burns to, to hold down the fort with a two nothing lead, and it just wasn't happening. You know, I mean, just I mean they've done these pitchers have done this so much for the for the offense, and I know Burns was picked up two starts ago when he got bailed out after giving up three home run balls, but last night was not the night. You know, this Pittsburgh Pirate team, Bill. I, I was saying on my podcast, I've been saying on my podcast. You know, you can't sleep on those guys because those guys are fighters. They're spoilers. You look at their record; it's not very good. But man, they're, a, they're they've always been a dangerous team, though. No matter what, they they, they just seem to just stick around and win games like last night and play them. I mean, is there a better spoiler in Major League Baseball than the Pittsburgh Pirates? That's exactly what they are. No, they they've been doing that, and they've been doing that for a long time. Where they just at the end of the season, they seem to get a few wins here or there. Where all of a sudden, you think to yourself. You know, ah, oh, they're out of it. And you and you know what? You should be beating these teams. I, I completely agree. You should be beating these teams in general uh, just because. And, and because they're lesser teams. The, the, if you look down the stretch, the Brewers are pretty much better than everybody they play from here on out. They're going to end up with that three-game series against the Cubs at the end of the season. But the Brewers are a better team. So you should just assume that they're going to make it into the postseason. But it, it, it people are starting to use the word choke. And they haven't choked anything away yet. But, my God, I mean... They 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 gotta you know kind of put consistency together down the stretch and hopefully it begins again tonight. Well, baseball is such a funny game. Unlike football or basketball, where you know most of the time you have a kind of an idea 
when a, when a when a heavy favorite beats an underdog, um, yeah, you can you, you can kind of see it coming. Um, but in baseball, you you get some of these teams like the Pirates, and you get these matchups. And remember, two thousand and eight when the Brewers you know went to the wild card game, you know they needed the Marlins to beat the the Mets in a three game series. The Marlins were terrible; they swept a three game series from those guys. You know some of these bad teams and some of these teams the Brewers should be better than. You know those those teams like uh, those bad teams are are they got guys who are fighting for jobs who are playing for their careers and all of a sudden they rise up and have a big month in September and you know a team plays like it never has been all season long and suddenly September they're playing the role of spoiler so yeah you look at that you know there's a four game series against the Cardinals uh, in Bush Stadium later in the season. And, and, of course, the Cardinals almost have been eliminated since day one of the baseball season. But that's going to be a tough four game. Each and every one of these games, I don't look at it. And, you know, I'm at the game Saturday, Sunday afternoon. I'm sitting in the stands, and these people behind us, I can hear them. They're saying, well, you know, the Brewers should go on to Pittsburgh. They'll sweep that series. And the Yankees aren't very good. They could sweep. No, that's just not the way baseball works. Every game is going to be just unbelievably tough to win. And, you know, they don't hand wins on a, on a silver platter. You got to earn it. And, you know, these next two are tough. But, uh, you know, you, you like to think that the Brewers could take two or three from Pittsburgh. But now you got to come back and win these next two nights. You look at the last five starts uh, for Corbin Burns. He gave up no runs, six runs, one run, four runs, and four runs, and does not have a win to show for it. Not well, you look at the Brewer batting order. It, well, because you look at the Brewer batting order and you, you you see a couple of guys sitting above 250, but that like that batting order on Monday night or on Sunday, but then the game on Sunday, I'm like, how is this team in first place in this batting order uh, with the, with, the, with the way these guys are hitting? I mean, that pretty much explains it. You know, he's, you know, sometimes he's got bailed out by the offense. You know, two two starts ago, Burns was terrible when he gave up the three home runs, but then the Brewers rallied and, and won the game, um, and. Yeah, it's just, if you know some of these guys like Woodruff, you know, when he has pitched, he's got some no decisions in there because you know he just uh, they don't they haven't hit for him. Freddie Peralta is the guy who's just on fire right now. Uh, you know, twelve wins, career high, pitcher of the month in the National League for August. He pitches tomorrow afternoon in Pittsburgh. Man, how I mean, Freddie is pitching on such a high level. Here's a guy, Bill. It looks like he's. I, I want to say it looks like he's finally turned the corner and becoming the guy we thought he was going to be the last couple of seasons. Now they've tried him in the bullpen. Right. They tried him as a starter. And here Freddie is finally putting it all together. The minute he got a good breaking off-speed pitch and, and was able to throw it for strikes, that, that just changed things because he'd always been able to throw strikes via the fastball. But the fact yeah. that he had an off-speed pitch suddenly, a, a changeup that became a breaking changeup with a lot of movement, that changed his game entirely. And he's been a pretty pretty good pretty good pitcher, but more dominant pitcher this season, but pretty good pitcher ever since. Chuck, great stuff as always, bud. They can find your stuff at the Locked on Brewers podcast, correct? Yes. Uh, you know, you can download hey, wherever you get your podcast downloads, uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, we're on all the major downloads. The search Locked on Brewers, and there I am. Uh, and then the video version of it, uh, Monday through Friday, is on there, too, as well. Uh, just go to YouTube, uh, search Lockdown Brewers, and then hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and uh, we're on YouTube, Lockdown Brewers. But uh, five days a week, we'll have our, our episode coming up later, later tonight after the game. And, Bill, let's, uh, let's 
talk next Tuesday, and uh, you know, hopefully we have a, you know, they can expand on this two and a half game lead. But like I said, the Cubs are going to be in there for the, I think, for the yeah. duration of the season. They've been certainly a surprise team. Good stuff, Chuck. We'll talk to you soon, yeah. pal. Okay. All right, Billy. There you go. That's our buddy, Chuck Freeman, joining us for a couple of minutes, man, and uh, chatting a little bit about this Brewers team who, uh, for lack of a better term, they're not choking in a way, but they've just kind of been stagnant. I want to go over some numbers when I come back real quick because uh, I, I misspoke on the Corbin Burns stuff, and when, what I want to correct, it makes it even more astonishing that Corbin Burns' numbers are what they are. Stay tuned. we got a whole lot more of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up right after this. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. We continue on. Here's uh, here's something. I, I, I did this uh, in the last segment. I was wrong in what I, I did, so I wanted to make sure I mentioned this. So in the last more than a few starts for Corbin Burns, he uh, went uh, six innings, gave up seven hits, four runs against Pittsburgh, took the loss four to two against Chicago. Eight hits, but only one run took the loss. Uh, gave up eight hits and six runs. That was against uh, Minnesota. It was a no decision in that one. So that was not a great game. Did not give up a run and only gave up two hits in seven innings against the Dodgers. No decision. Against the White Sox, five runs, no decision. Gave up two runs against Pittsburgh, no decision. Against Washington, gave up two runs, no decision. Against Cincinnati, gave up two runs, took a loss. The last time he won a game was in Philadelphia. He threw eight scoreless innings of two-hit baseball and got a win. It's the last time Corbin Burns got a win. You talk about a guy that doesn't get run support. I mean, just ridiculous. Two runs, two runs, three runs, four runs, two runs, eight runs, two runs, eight runs, Eight runs, four runs. Or excuse me, excuse me. I, hold, hold on, hold on. I read that wrong. I'm going by innings. Um, two runs, two runs, two runs, five runs, no runs, six runs, one run, four runs, and doesn't have a win to show for those last seven, eight games. Whew, man. They play the opposite of complimentary baseball when he's on the mound. So when he pitches well, the offense sucks. And when the offense gives him a couple of runs, then he can't pitch well. It's cursed. Just 0-1 for the month of August. 0-1 so far in September. 4-1 in July. But they were winning games by the skin of their teeth. A couple of those wins were over Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. It just... That guy just doesn't get run support. Uh, final hour coming up. Stay tuned. We got a lot more of the Bill Michael show right around the corner coming up right after this.